All right. Today, it is not the usual Ayman and I hosting this podcast. It's a little bit different, something new. Ayman has been replaced by the wonderful Arif Roslan uh, from Arus Anak Muda. Welcome, Arif. We are collaborating with them on a podcast series, and this is our first episode. Uh, today, we have a special guest, a very, very special guest, the First Lady Ahli Dewan Undangan Negeri, or Adun, of Kampung Tunku, YB Lim Yiwe, who is also the Division Chief for DAP Socialist Youth Damansara and Organising Secretary of DAP Selangor Women's Wing. Did I get that right, or am I like off the park here, like not? <laughs> no, no, that, that's, that's, yeah, that's totally correct. Cool. Welcome to the show, YB. I mean, we're happy to have you uh, on the show. Thanks for having me today. All right, Arif, I think you have a question you want to ask YB. Fire away. All right. So, um, YB, you're a very young Adun, one of the youngest in Malaysia. So, why did you get into politics? Well, it's not true that I'm the youngest Adun. I look like you're the youngest, but I yeah. might not be. Uh, one of the youngest. <laughs> yeah, one of the, <laughs> one of the youngest. Uh, but uh, why did I get into politics? I mean, the short answer is that I didn't want to just be a keyboard warrior. Um, oh. You know, I I was in I was in Hong Kong. You know, working after I finished my degree during that time, and I wasn't very satisfied with the GE thirteen results. Mm-hmm. Uh, during that time, also uh, there was a movement, a civil society movement called the Hong Kong Umbrella uh, Movement that that started in late twenty fourteen. And uh, it made me ask, you know, questions about myself, you know, because uh, around 2014, 2015, I would be approaching six years, uh, you know, studying and working in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. uh, which would actually allow me to apply for PR. So you could say that at that point, you know, I was in a crossroads in my life, you know, like not so happy with how things were going in the country, uh, wondering about, you know, what's my next step? Do I stay on in Hong Kong or do I you know, move somewhere else, maybe to Singapore or back to Malaysia. Uh, and then, you know, I decided to do this crazy thing, which is, you know, to join politics. Because I felt like uh, in Malaysia, we were at this stage where, where we needed structural change, you know, uh, that there were a lot of, let's say, you know, like civil society movements and NGOs just doing really great work. But mm. what was lacking was structural change. What was lacking was political view to to actually change things systemically. Uh, so that's when, you know, I decided that maybe going into politics would be, you know, the thing to do, the thing to do. And like I said, you know, going back to the beginning, I just, I didn't want to be a keyboard warrior, you know, especially sitting overseas and then typing, typing, oh, yeah, things are so bad in Malaysia, but not trying to do anything about it. I never expected to be an Adun when I first came back so. You know, my parents were teachers, uh, now retired. I mean, I just had no illusions about knowing everything about politics. I just thought, you know, I'm going to come in. I'm going to learn as much as possible. And where I can contribute, I will try to contribute. Yeah. I see. All right. So, um, YB, how tough was the decision to change from a corporate setting to politics as a career? And why did you come home? Yeah, it was I mean, a very big change. Probably like it wasn't easy, right? You were already like basically accustomed to Hong Kong, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. even, even me, right? I was I was in London for like five years and yeah, I knew I was coming home, but even it was so hard. You you have to change 
everything the, how you live how you you know how you interact because hong kong is a completely different city right so dynamics and everything yeah, yeah must have been hard right um uh, i think you know when i when i made that decision uh it was a bit of a slow burn uh, so so the tipping point you know other than not wanting to be a keyboard warrior and then uh, also the hong kong umbrella movement which made me have a you know mini existential life crisis kind of thing uh <laughs> Um, the tipping point was when YB Lim Guan Ing came to Hong Kong and he gave a talk at the Asia Society Center, Hong Kong. Uh, so again, long story short, after his talk, you know, which he talked about, you know, Malaysians should try to come back to Malaysia. Uh, and then I went up to him and I did ask him, you know, I said, uh, that was a really great talk, YB, but do you really think there's hope for Malaysia? And then he looked at me and he said, Hiya, if you don't come back, how would you know? So Fair enough. That was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that was uh, what, what really tipped the balance for me. But after that, so I didn't, you know, straight away resign from the job and then come back. Uh, there was still quite a lot of things to think about because I'm the eldest child. Um, and my two siblings also were still going through, you know, college and university. So, so I kind of sat on, you know, after, after YB Lim's talk, I kind of sat on that for a couple, about two, three months. Uh, but after the two, three months of thinking, you know, when I decided to go for it, it was, you know, bam, like there's no turning back. But of course, in that two, three months, I made sure to, you know, save a bit more of my salary so that, you know, I have like a little bit of a cushion uh, when I come back to Malaysia. Um, it was not an easy choice uh, because I think, you know, as you know, corporate life can be quite good. I was a conference producer with a financial publishing firm. So, you know, think of the financial times, that kind of thing. Maybe not as large, but uh, more focused on the institutional side of banking. So uh, as a conference producer, my portfolio covered Asia. So I got to, you know, travel and also stay in really fancy hotels and don't eat nice food, which is actually quite a dream uh, for, you know, someone who came from a lower middle class, really humble family. <laughs> so it was not easy, but when the decision was made, then it was made. And, you know, I've not really looked back uh, since. Yeah, I mean, once... Your once journey in politics was like kind of fated like YB, is it? Tak lah, tak lah. It involves a lot of hard work, so... <laughs> I see. So, uh, I mean, just going back to like you saying like you just didn't want to be a keyboard warrior, right? I mean, which is fine and it's great because, you know, there are a lot of keyboard warriors. So, I mean, just before we dive in into the topic at hand today, right, I just wanted to know, like, from that keyboard warrior sort of, I don't, I don't want to say status, but just uh, phase, how does one sort of convert that, you know, keyboard warrior and wanting a better Malaysia from talking about it to, you know, doing something about it? Because there's a significant gap in between, right? Just, just curious your, on your thoughts on that, lah, because you, did, you basically did from Keyboard Warrior to, to doing something about it, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, there are various levels of, 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 of Keyboard Warriors lah, uh, in the sense that, you know, those who have a large uh, online following uh, do exert, you know, a good level of influence, uh, which is why, you know, you see in, in, in uh, you know, government and politics worldwide, uh, you know, whether you're a government or opposition, you're always trying to gain, you know, a hand on social media and bad social media PR can become, you know, very troublesome uh, for any party, uh, you know, whether you're in government or opposition. So, 
So it's not to say that they don't have influence, but let's say, you know, like if you're Liniwe and then you're starting from like zero, mm-hmm. you're starting from zero and then you start like blah, 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 blah on Facebook or, yeah. you know, uh, complaining on Twitter, then, uh, you know, in the end, you wonder like, how much do you achieve? So, so that was me, like, you know, starting from a place where I had no following <laughs> because I didn't even really, you know, I wasn't even really a keyboard warrior, you know, I, I, I just kind of, you know, I would write statuses about, about you know the current state of uh, politics on my personal Facebook, but I wouldn't bother to engage in like online fights that kind of thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but but yeah. So having said that, you know, certain le- it depends on which level you are uh, on the keyboard warrior spectrum. Some can do a lot of good. Some can do a lot of damage, depending on your size or the following. Uh, but for let's say you know the average uh, person uh, who comments on posts here and there. Uh, and might want to do more, a very good way to start is actually engaging with your local Adun or MP, you know, just, mm-hmm. to, just to find out actually what's going on in your neighborhood. A lot of people, uh, you know, they see like their Adun and MP's faces on banners, maybe during the festive it, season. Yeah, but that's it, you know, you don't know what they do on a daily basis and you don't know how uh, their work or their decisions impact the neighborhood. So, you know, the first step to even getting started is actually, you know, engage with your local Adun MP or even better, you know, uh, find out a cause that you're interested in. You know, maybe it could be uh, women's rights or, or, you know, environment and engage with a local NGO about that. I think that's one step, you know, from translating what you talk about online to, to, you know, action. Well, I mean, that, that's always the thing, right? You, when, when the time comes for Malaysians to actually take that step or people to even get out of the house and do this, right? It's a whole different story altogether. It's much easier to just you know, <laughs> press, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, uh, going on from there, right? So, you know, Arif and I, we've followed your Twitter for some time and, you know, we want to talk about the topic ahead today, which is mental health, right? Which is something that the youth are talking about a lot but it should be not just the youth it should be even expanded to other um facets uh, other groups of people right so i just i just want to know like as we start this topic like what are, what do you think are some of the stigmas on mental health awareness in malaysia because it's not it's not a, an issue where people just goes and talk about it openly it's a little bit more taboo hidden you don't even know that your family members going through this so just just one thing to know like your thoughts on on that as we start this topic? Well, the, I think a lot of the stigma comes from, you know, the, 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 the basic issue of that is, you know, mental, mental illness uh, can be quite invisible. You know, it's not, it's not like physical illness in the sense that, you know, if you have a fever, you have a high temperature. If you have a cold, you sneeze, etc. Uh, and mental illness, uh, you know, even under a single diagnosis, a single disorder, for example, uh, depression or bipolar disorder, uh, it manifests itself in different ways. So although there are, you know, a set of uh, symptoms associated with each mental illness, uh, the way they manifest in each different patient can be very different. And um, it makes it very unpredictable, like, you know, especially to, 
to uh, you know to outsiders to family and friends who don't really know about it uh, and that contributes to the stigma that we fear what we don't know mm-hmm. um, another part of it is is uh, because you know when you talk about mental illness it's associated with with the mind with the brain uh, and you know consequently with thinking so uh, many still assume that uh, mental illness is caused by you know someone being weak you know mentally weak uh, you know sometimes mm-hmm. that, that's what mm-hmm. some of the terms or or maybe not being religious enough um, you know without without taking into account that mental illness does have its biological components uh, yeah. so so one of the messages that we try to drive also is that that uh, mental illness is actually kind of just like physical illness in the sense that if you have diabetes, you go to a doctor and you get your pills. Uh, and similarly, if you, know, you are experiencing mental distress, you should go to a therapist and you know, if it's necessary to be treated with medicine to do so. I see. Do you think as well that, because um, obviously I feel that mental health or mental illness is something that has always existed, right? Mm-mm. It's not something that just comes up. But do you think it's on the rise or do you think it's just that there's more publicity in a way or awareness is a better word for it in, on mental illness? Mm, there's definitely more, more awareness uh, and also more publicity uh, in the sense that, that, that uh, you know, things going online has helped uh, mental health advocates to spread their message further. But also, you know, sad cases, for example, suicides, uh, get more coverage than mm-hmm. it used to be. And because of social media, the news of, you know, such a suicide can be spread uh, quite widely, quite quickly. So more people know about it. Uh, and hopefully more people know that, you know, there is a problem. There is a problem and we should talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to touch a little bit on COVID-19, right? Um, because as I've read a lot of articles and obviously the, the news is just flooded with uh, COVID-19 effects, right? I just want to throw, throw some stats as well. Like I just read on the uh, American Psychiat- Psychiatric Association, you know, they said that 62% of Americans are suffering from symptoms of anxiety, which is due to COVID-19, right? And basically they feel that the virus is really impacting their day-to-day life. So, you know, to follow up from this, you know, we've been, we've been home for a while. I mean, now that we can move about, it's a little bit better. But last time we were basically, you know, locked down for like a month. We couldn't go out. We can only buy groceries. So how do you think COVID-19 has actually affected, you know, our mental health? And, you know, are there some cases, you know, that maybe in your own area that you can share and how you've sort of mitigated that, uh, you know, whatever they've shared with you. So on a very uh, fundamental level, humans are social creatures. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, we we need interaction. Mm -hmm. And actually, even during, you know, the tighter phases of the MCO, I'm quite an introvert, but I did feel, you know, the the kekangan, you know, the restrictions uh, bearing down on me. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, when when suddenly the option to go out is uh, taken away from you, Uh, then you realize that, oh, actually, maybe going out to coffee once a while with friends is not that bad after all. Um, But yeah, 
I think COVID-19 has had a significant impact on, on Malaysians' mental health. Uh, whether, you know, Malaysians ourselves, you know, uh, want to acknowledge that, that factor. Uh, there is definitely a lot of anxiety about, you know, the economy, you know, about job losses, pay cuts. Um, and I would say also, you know, anxiety about the economy also may contribute to to, you know, tensions rising in households, uh, which also, you know, could be an indirect, you know, maybe a longer phase uh, factor into actually the rise of domestic violence cases. Because, you know, you are, you are stuck in the house, you're anxious about, uh, you know, your economic condition and then tensions rise. Uh, that's one thing. Um, the other thing also, uh, among, ex you know, existing diagnosed mental health patients, I think COVID has been quite difficult, uh, MCO has been quite difficult also, because uh, it meant, you know, restrictions on how often they can see their psychiatrists and also their psychologists uh, for therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so overall, actually, you know, this, this whole situation has been quite a heavy one, like quite a heavy one for everyone. Uh, you know, even if, if you still have a job, I, it wouldn't be far to say that, that, you know, you haven't in some way or another been mentally affected by, by the COVID crisis. But obviously, we are seeing more serious uh, effects uh, in which, uh, you know, the number of suicides have actually jumped, jumped up uh, during the period of the MCO. And the latest case was... I think on the 5th of August, where a pilot uh, killed himself. Uh, uh, we've also seen, you know, some suicide survivors uh, uh, being charged in court, unfortunately, and slapped with a fine under yeah. the existing law, yeah, mm -hmm. Section 309 of the Penal Code. I mean, even, I mean, obviously in, in our case, like, even me, it's, I don't want to say, like, I, I'm like, I have a mental health problem. It's just more like, I don't know why, but at home, I just feel a little bit draggy sometimes. Mm -mm. And I just feel like I don't really want to work and I don't know why. Mm -mm. And I feel like a lot of my friends who, I don't know, have the, even like, at least right after the MCO or even the period where you can't really go out, it just feels like I don't want to do work. I kind of want to just lie down in bed all day. And I'm not the kind of person who does that. I just want to, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm quite driven. I love to read and do all these things. But for some reason... When I'm at home most of the time, I just like, I don't know whether you feel this way or Ari feels this way. I just something that I, I thought I'd share like that I felt throughout MCO that work I felt very draggy. Like me personally, I think the MCO had some sort of effect on me because like I'm quite a very extroverted kind of person. So I get a lot of energy from like talking to people. And all that yeah, stuff. the opposite of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was surprised actually why I thought you were an extrovert from like uh. our first oh, okay. So like yeah, being an extrovert, I get a lot of my drives from people. So like you know, so when I'm indoors, I don't really get to see people. Like is this it doesn't have to be like friends or anything, just like when you see the park guide near my residential area or things like that. Just uh -huh. see hi and like seeing them smile gives me energy. So it came to a point where I really couldn't take it. And like because there was a point where we were allowed to go out but only macam, like to buy stuff can mm -mm. buy like groceries and all that stuff and I told my mom mommy please let me do this because I can't <laughs> take it anymore <laughs> I have to see the machi say hi to them ask them how was your day and all that stuff because like it was really taking a toll on me like the quarantine and everything like I really couldn't take like the transition from like my daily life before quarantine 
and to like how it was during quarantine was so large for an extrovert and like definitely like certain steps I had to take on myself to help me go through it. Yeah, I think, you know, Shazwan, actually uh, what you, you, you know, shared about how you, know, you as an energetic person and then Sunny kind of like slid into lethargy, yeah. you know, like that whole sundu feeling uh, highlights a very important part about, you know, important explanation about mental health as a whole that, that uh, mental health mm-hmm. is a spectrum, you know. It's not like, like, you know, you are perfectly okay or you are not okay. It's a spectrum. Uh, like physical health also, you know, it takes some time, like, you know, a certain measure, you know, a certain period of neglect until you get sick, you know, that kind of thing in general. So, so mental health is a spectrum. Uh, and therefore, you know, people at different points in life can have, you know, differing levels of, let's say, you know, good mental health and also experience mental distress. So maybe, you know, after a death of a loved one, you know, prolonged grief, uh, that's also, you know, a prolonged grief that affects uh, how you function on a daily basis. That's also, you know, a sign of mental distress. It doesn't mean that, but, you know, exhibiting signs of mental distress doesn't mean you automatically muscle into, you know, a mentally mm-hmm. ill category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, you with, you know, the good support system, uh, with, you know, proper therapy or, you know, release outlets, you can go back to a state of, you know, functioning good mental health. Mm-hmm. I see. All right, so YB, following up from Shazwan's um, previous question, um, what are the steps that um, we as the people, the society, government or like companies can take to create awareness and take action regarding mental health? Because the thing is, right, I feel like um, the generation right now, we are very much um, aware that mental health is something very relevant, but we are kind of scared to speak about it because we don't want to be insensitive and we have to make sure that we are factually right. So, what are your thoughts on this? Mm. On the step you could take? So, if you, you know, speaking from, let's say, you know, if you are a youth who is interested in learning more and also uh, advocating on mental health, uh, there are several established NGOs uh, that you can refer to. Uh, one is the Malaysian Mental Health Association. Uh, that's probably one of the oldest. Uh, Minda also is... Uh, is quite a good outlet. Uh, there's also another NGO called Relate Malaysia, uh, which you know has quite good resources, uh, quite good resources for mental health. Actually, there's a lot of you know wealth of reading out there, um, and actually increasingly I found, especially through Twitter, that you know a lot of the material also is is uh, made for local audience in mind. So previously, you know, people used to say like, uh, you know, material on mental health is very Western-based, you know, that's why with, with Malaysian society. But increasingly, you know, I think uh, groups like Minda, Miasa, they, they really take the effort to put it in the local context. Uh, so that's a wealth of reading that, that uh, you, can, you can look through. Uh, one of the concerns, I guess, right now is, you know, young people, I think they want to share their stories about being patients in mental health and that's where it becomes potentially tricky because we don't have an act an anti-discrimination act on 
specifically for mental health or even you know uh, anti-discrimination act on uh, gender uh, or race or you know disability with regards to employment so I think the worry among you know some young people when they want to share their stories their struggles with uh, mental health issues uh, they are worried about uh, future employment uh, opportunities uh, yeah. so that that part is you know something that that has to be looked at you know policy wise uh, like how can we how can the government you know encourage sort of more openness about sharing about mental health mm -hmm. but also ensure that uh, those who share you know will not be penalized by their employers or discriminated otherwise mm -hmm. in terms of just just wondering in your own adun or even whatever uh, DEP or the current government or the previous government what are some of the initiatives that you think we should do or what are, and also what are the initiatives that you are doing now that sort of is trying to tackle this mental health uh, issue? So, okay, uh, previously before, before GE14, so the federal government under BN, uh, KKM did have a national mental health plan uh, from 2016 to 2020, uh, which did lay out the landscape of, you know, mental health treatment uh, in Malaysia. But, I think not much has moved uh, beyond then. Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, what we have been, what PH tried to do when, was, when we were in power, actually there was going to be a National Mental Health Council set up. And the first meeting involving uh, the health ministry, uh, other ministries like uh, KPWKM, MOE and the relevant agencies. It was actually supposed to take place during the week uh, which Lanka Sheraton happened. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, well, that happened. Um, but but uh, within my capacity as uh, Adun, you know, uh, we, we try to raise awareness uh, and especially during COVID, uh, besides encouraging, you know, the public to reach out to avenues such as Talian Kase and befrienders, uh, you know, just to call and talk and also, you know, just release your anxieties uh, about, about uh, COVID. Uh, we also did a short publicity campaign mm -hmm. uh, with befrienders for frontliners, encouraging them to call up to befrienders anytime they feel too overburdened, uh, you know, taking care of us. So that was something we did during COVID. Uh, I also made two short videos uh, on the same topic like, of how to care for your mental health during COVID. On Instagram, right? Yeah, I think it was on Instagram. We also put it on Facebook, yeah. so in BM in English. Uh, so that's on the awareness part. On the other end, um, on the suicide part, uh, some of you know the MPs and also our former law minister, uh, YB uh, Liu Vilkong, um, We've actually been pushing for the decriminalization of attempted suicide. So that means mm -hmm. if, if uh, you know, someone tries to commit suicide but survives, uh, they will not be prosecuted anymore because we believe that they should get help, not be charged with a crime. Uh, that it seems, you know, 
it's just it's just very felt self defeating right? You know, you're already mm. in such a bad state that you want to commit suicide, and after that, you fail to commit suicide, and then you get prosecuted. You know, <sighs> that's right. Yeah. It doesn't help with his case to bounce back from that that yeah. uh, that tragedy that he's about to face, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so we're we're pushing to remove that uh, Last parliament, I mean, this current parliament sitting, uh, the current minister of law said that. Uh, it's still being studied. So my proposal during this time for the federal government actually is to impose a moratorium on prosecution of attempted suicide. Uh, so a moratorium basically means, you know, like it's it's to stop, stop, uh, you know, stop something from happening. <laughs> like that. That's the very simple definition of a moratorium to, to put on hold put on hold things. So uh, in this case, you know, to put on hold prosecution of attempted suicides. Um, okay. That, that was amazing. Um, so we're, we're actually approaching the end of our, of our podcast episode. And I think, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot about mental health and, you know, all the initiatives and programs and NGOs that, you know, our listeners can actually read up and also know about. And maybe if you know anyone who may be facing this or you're facing this, I mean, don't afraid to reach out. Um, and I think this is, you know, it's a collective effort, right? And we all have to sort of be open and, you know, trust that everything's going to get better. And so, I think it's important you got, because like um, when someone who's going through mental, like mental health things speak out, they're not only speaking out for themselves, but many others who are afraid to speak out for themselves. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like creates a chain reaction which encourages people to be more like um to be more vocal about it and articulate yeah so i think it's very important all right so to end on a lighter note right uh yb so we always ask this on all our podcast guests so yb if you if you were not in a yb right now (laughs) what would you be (laughs) basically a yb lim yue in another universe parallel universe so a mm-hmm. not a not a not YB UA la, basically. Exactly. Uh yeah, so many things. One thing. <laughs> <laughs> Something you really want to do. I would really like to be We won't judge, I promise. Well when I was sixteen I really wanted to be a tattoo artist. Uh, but my dad said no daughter of mine is going to be a tattoo artist. So that's how I ended up being a politician instead. <laughs> I see. So in another universe, uh, Lim Yiwei will be a tattoo artist. That, yeah, that's maybe, actually a really... Maybe a, or maybe a painter. La. Painter will be quite, quite Okay, Okay, yeah. so sorry. It's because it's the last question, but... And you said tattoo artist. I have to ask, like, why tattoo artist? Yeah, what, what, what inspired that? Maybe that's quite a uh, very rare ambition. Uh, I think tattoos are, are really interesting. Uh, one thing is, you know, you have to have a skill. Uh, you have to have very precise skill. And you have to have that, you know, good communication with your client. Uh, uh, basically, you know, you're in this weird position of, of uh, giving people what they want, which is the tattoo that they want. But you also might have to talk them out of... Uh, strange designs so I find that quite interesting and also I think uh, tattooing culture is actually quite embedded in Asian culture uh, mm. so that's you know that would be something 
I like to see you know more appreciation appreciation of. You know, we usually look at tattoos uh, in the Western world and all, but but we we fail to realize that you know tattooing is part of a uh, Sarawakian culture so as well. So I thought it was you know an interesting, let's say a different kind of a uh, uh. kind of career path la, a very unusual <laughs> career path. But also at that time, there was this TV show called LA Inc. going on. So, oh my god, I see. Yeah, that might have been, yeah, that might have influenced me quite a bit. Nice. I mean, that's a very nice and light way to end this podcast. <laughs> so thank you very much, YB. We really, really appreciate you spending some time with us, uh, at, you know, at night, um, you know, uh, talking about mental health. I think that that was an amazing talk. You know, hope, hope to see you maybe come in to do another one. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Okay. All right, bye-bye. Thank you so much.